What is up, everybody? This is the Bodega Border Crew Podcast, Volume 30. Uh, I know I've been away for two weeks. I've kind of been under the weather. I still have this kind of weird sinus thing. I don't feel sick. I just have tons of fucking snot. <laughs> and it's uh, obviously my voice sounds a little different, but I could either sit another week and not put out an episode or I could just do it and sound a little weird. And that's kind of the option I'm going for. But I'm glad you could join us today. Um, how have you guys been doing? Um, outside of the sickness, uh, the last two weeks have been kind of fun. I had a fun trip down south to Encinitas, San Diego area. Got to surf Swamis uh, with my boy Ryan from Log Wrap. We had like a two and a half hour session at Swamis. And uh, it's one of my favorite places ever to surf. I know a lot of people, it's like a love-hate thing. A lot of people hate it. I find it to be like one of my favorite places to surf when you start figuring it out. Uh, I've picked up a lot of tips by uh, watching where Devin sits. Um, And that was one thing Ryan and I were kind of commenting on that was a lot of fun. Like just figuring out like those inside sections are a lot more fun to log on than uh, waiting for those outside bombs. So that I had a fun session over at Malibu with Devin and Cassia, my homegirl Jacqueline. And uh, on one of the smaller days, um, been going up and down the coast, uh, surfed the other day with uh, Mike from the Bandits at a secret OC spot that he brought me to. Uh, Not very secret, but secret enough that I'm not going to talk about it, but it was a lot of fun. I know I'm going to be going back there probably once every couple of weeks uh, just because I love the shape of that wave. Uh, more of a, I think, a mid-length type of, of wave than a, a logging wave, but you can still log on it. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, but what about you guys? I hope you guys have been scoring. I know there's been like rain and wind and all this other shit. Um, but, you know, there's been little pockets to, to, to catch here in Southern California. Uh, I know a lot of people have been scoring on the North Shore. I've been seeing footage uh, from Oahu showing up from like tracks and uh as well as like you know lonnie's and stuff like that um so i hope you guys are scoring wherever you are and having some fun you know one thing that's been a lot of fun the last couple of weeks is meeting people who listen to the podcast um in the lineup uh i gotta be honest like i don't remember a lot of people's names i'm really bad at it, especially when we're like sessioning uh but there's one kid this redheaded kid that uh i that paddled up to me and started talking to me and he was like a high school kid he must have been like 18 years old and he was telling me you know how cool it was to like listen to that kind of hip-hop and how he has to basically tell his friends in school like like who good rappers are while they listen to like some of this new fucking mumble rap bullshit and i thought it was really refreshing that someone in high school is like discovering this music i guess it's the same way as like when i was in high school you know, discovering funk and jazz as well as, you know, classic rock, you know, um, kind of feels weird, um, because maybe I'm like that old guy (laughs) that you borrow records from every once in a while. Um, but it was really cool to meet him and meet all the other people. I'm sorry. I forgot your name. You ripped, uh, you were a lot of fun to talk to. 
And uh, definitely if you ever hear my voice in the lineup, it's you can just paddle up to me and we can chat. I love meeting people. You get free stickers out of it if we meet up in the parking lot. Um, so uh, definitely reach out if you see me in the lineup. But let's do a little housekeeping. This is the Bodega Border Crew podcast, volume 20. Check us out on Instagram at Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to check out our page, bodegabordercrew.podbean.com, as well as our full uh, iTunes description of this episode where we have track listings, links to things we're talking about, and links pertaining to things that we're talking to people with about. So who are we talking to this episode? This episode, we're actually talking to two people from my San Diego trip. One is logger surfer extraordinaire Mick Rogers of uh, Bing Surfboards fame. Um, big fan of his, seen him surf at Sano, wanted to sit down with him. Uh, we spent a little time with him at the Bing factory, which was really cool walking through there and seeing that. Uh, the second person is John Campbell, who's one of the co-founders of Matus Wetsuits. Matus Wetsuits are probably one of the best wetsuits on the market. Uh, I just had a retire mine that I bought three and a half years ago that I wore religiously. The only reason I had to retire it is because the zipper on the key pocket corroded and I'm kind of just sick of wearing it. Some of the tape came off, but it lasted like three seasons and I'm pretty impressed. Um, so we have a little interview with him. We're also going to do some short takes as we usually do. Uh, this week we're doing some short takes on this video that uh, Surfer's Journal put out of Brian Bent. Uh, that I think you should check out. Uh, also, uh, this talk about this, you know, th we don't talk a lot of WSL shit, but I think this is more of kind of like a general surfing thing, but they had to shut down their contest because of shark attacks and shark sightings, which I thought was kind of crazy, uh, but interesting. And the last thing is a new clip that uh, was put out by Mollusk, uh, by Jack Coleman uh, called Ocean Song, which is a great clip. Uh, them surfing, them having fun. And you know, whenever those clips come out, I usually talk about them. But I don't want to keep you much longer. I've been talking a little bit too much. So what I'm going to do is get into a couple of tracks um, and then I'll check in with you guys a little bit and uh, get into the interview with Mick. Peace.
independently minded. Yo, you ambitious? Indeed, a new breed. And suckers can't compare to the master. The truth got you trapped in the square. You're restricted while I'm unlimited, gifted. And I'm even iller when I'm lifted. Stimulated in the zone on the microphone. After a bone, Bobo wants to take them home. Yes, I bring heat, so feel the warmth from my free speech. Believe in Chava Gancha helps me reach up. Creative levels of enlightenment And when I'm writing then You know just who's on the mic again The ghoul's on the map, kid You took a nap, kid Taking me out is an impossible task, kid I'll spark you up, lock you up <laughs> Now you're spawned You should have paid attention Way back when you were born You're torn into bits as I take hips of my slip I came to do work The expert will never quit The medicine, the medicine The medicine lie will bring us back again The medicine, the medicine, the medicine job is coming back again. The medicine, the medicine, the medicine now will bring us back again. The medicine, the medicine, the medicine job. The cigar, the Philly blunt. Lick the blunt and then the Philly blunt mill you split. Don't have a razor blade, use your fucking fingertips. Crack the bag and then you pour the whole bag in. Spread the ism around until the ism reach each end. Take your finger and your thumb from tip to tip. Roll it in the motion, then the top piece you lick. Seal it, dry it with your lighter if you got to. The results, Dragon in a dungeon. I would if this shit would stop dripping with saliva. And if you're gonna lick it, don't drown it with your spit shit. I don't know what dick gon' last push your lick quick. And how about the non-blunt rolling females that always? 
it up Cause they don't wanna break their lean nails <laughs> Sorry rap for spilling it You better pick up every seat of it Because I paid 10 bills for the get ill And for spilling it you better get lost or get grilled Bo know everything from sports to other stuff But I bet you Bo don't know how to roll a blunt <laughs> Yo <laughs> Oh, 
Inhale this, clench your fists, then you feel the mist through the uterus. Can you picture this? Life without me, wake up, you're having bad dreams. Cause you're fiend for a tote, my crew tote totes and mink coat. On the cell with the boat, what you thought? We get caught and get bailed out, fuck the jailhouse. In the sea on the rocks is all we got as we sail out. Entrepreneurs, pissed out boys, be glad we ain't taking yours. Born, huh? I'm warning ya, a style waits for no bitch. I dream rich when I fuck with scratch and sniff. Now I stack the shit, practice it, so no bitch can tap the shit miraculous. So I can relax a bit and get my toes lit. Drugs, nigga. Drugs. <laughs> ma, damn, ma, I love you like the lie. The Hot as the tropicate, bulletproof esophagus, steel cage confidence, burn it on the floppiness, swerve the metropolis, my whole team in back of me, you're just a half a key, I'm a coke factory. We ain't heard us in a minute, we heard us in a minute, man. Wu-Tang, I keep bringing on these niggas, finger on my trigger, man. Wu-Tang, you ain't heard us in a minute, heard us in a minute, man. Wu-Tang. Like it's just me and my chick cruising the highway. She twisting my pit. You see, I'm living proof that crime pays. The type to go at a bitch. The type to shoot the gift and blow every clip. I know this money like the back of my hand. You get the back of my hand. Just like a fiend who took a package and ran. Popo be hopping out of passenger vans. Harassing niggas in park kids. For Mark Bills, Ratchets and Grams. So I move like I'm ducking a charge. Trying to set up shop. Get this rock. Get the fuck out of Dodge. Most my niggas like the puff in the car. Most these hoes emotionally scarred and keep the work stuffed in they bras. This is ghetto rap, where the poppy calling the kettle black. I'm bullet trying to see where they head is at. I'm headed back to the slum, back to the block. I got the clan on my back, and you know we headed back to the top, nigga. We heard us in a minute, we heard us in a minute, man. Wu-Tang, I keep bringing on these niggas, finger on my trigger, man. Wu-Tang, you ain't heard us in a minute. Curtis in the mini man. Wu-Tang. I keep bringing on these niggas. Finger on my trigger, man. 
Look at Miss Elaine, who runs the fast lane. Barely knows her name, struck by her fame. She just got a bend. She rides with her friends. Gotta keep a beeper in her purse to make ends. Rolling down the block, checking out the spots. She winks at the cops, always give her props. She knows she's the woman, can't nobody touch her. Hangs with the elite, makes her papes from the gutter. Try to make my moves in Miss Elaine, she called me young boy. Told her not to diss me, I just wants to be your love toy. You young boy, my love toy, I doubt that very highly. Just because your rhyme don't mean I let you try me. Business oriented, egos never dented. Always sweet scented, if it's business, she meant it. Distractions never hurt. Always did the work, always was alert. She never got jerked. Queen of the feats, thrive to compete. Love the funky beats while she drove down the street. She was just a fraud. Couldn't get a job, had to feed her family, so she had to play the mob. Pulling out the oo-wop, listening to doo-wop. You don't have to say a word. That's all you heard. She's not a big kahuna. Wish I met her sooner. Instead, I met her later. My love is much greater. Put me on a roster. To rid her of imposters. To sell the Buddha for the sexy drug ruler. Love is my motive. Now I'm drug promoter. Plus, I needed buckets to fill up my buckets. Supply me with the squeezy to make my life easy. Now I'm missing action for this fatal attraction. Don't you let me catch you with a joint up in these bitches. And don't you even dare to plan a plot up on my riches. Cause if you play me out, I think I'll let you be. I'll be damned if I let my brother try to gas me. I play my cards well. Try to live swell for the G I would sell. Cause I was deep in hell. But then I really wasn't. She had a flock cousin who would give me. Beauty on the side of my cutie. Elaine, she kinda knew that I would do the do, but she didn't care. I did my work with care. That's all that really mattered. Her money never splattered. As long as she was paid, she was in the shade. You can't really blame her for holding on to flamer. Society taught her, but they didn't tame her. A 10 clip salute. Honey, here's the truth. She will never stop. Give it to me. Welcome back to the Bodega Border Crew Podcast, Volume 30. Hope you guys have been digging the tracks. Um, sorry for my voice again. Uh, this sinus thing is really fucking annoying. Um, but anyway, I'm going to do the best I can for this episode. I know it's kind of shitty to do this and then it just stays up there for a couple of years. Um, but uh, the housekeeping again, uh, Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to check us out on Instagram at Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to check out our page, bodegabordercrew.podbean.com. Uh, as well as the full uh, description on your iTunes player uh, for track listings and links pertaining to people we're uh, talking with and uh, things we're talking about. In this case, we're going to talk with Mick Rogers. Uh, Mick Rogers is a logger uh, synonymous with the Bing Surfboards brand. Uh, he works at the factory, has a model coming out by them. Uh, I might have seen him at, you might have seen him at San O. Uh, grew up in the South Bay. Um, so here's a little interview we did with him. Uh, over at the Bing Factory, and I hope you guys enjoy. So you grew up originally in the South Bay, right? Yes, grew up in Palsbury East. Okay. Um, yeah, so I grew up in Palsbury East. 
pretty much was surfing all of like South Bay beaches there, mostly like Torrance Beach and uh-huh. Close Out City. Close Out <laughs> City, uh, blown out by nine thirty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so definitely, I mean, they refer to well, I've heard it been referred to as like the black hole of Southern California surfing, just because. <laughs> You got the peninsula there, you got Catalina there, so like the swell windows are pretty tight. Yeah, yeah. So pretty much we're working off like wind swells and the random souths that kind of squeeze through. Yeah. So definitely surfing was something that you had to kind of like get on it early mm-hmm. and just get used to surfing some really crappy waves. Yeah. Because that's most of the time it's blown out and ankle high. Yeah. But I mean, it was fun. It was cool. It was a nice place to grow up and kind of get my feet wet again. Did you surf the cove a lot or just? Uh, I mean, honestly, I'd rather not uh-huh. speak about the hill. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, just mostly was like Torrance. Torrance. Torrance was my spot as far as like, because it was like our family deal. Like, dad, mom, brother. We so all, did you guys all surf? Yeah, we all did it and that's kind of how I got into it was uh-huh. dad would take us down, load up a huge military grade duffel bag full of suits and whatever and then just spend the whole day at the beach and that's awesome but it wasn't like an everyday thing like all i wanted to do was surf uh-huh. like i definitely got a sprinkle of like sports and all other sorts of things uh-huh. so it wasn't like the main focus i'd say until i got more to like 13. okay so i think it was just like i'll get cold and uh-huh. i was over it like yeah. suits sucked and i'd be like hey, i'm gonna go chill on the beach and yeah Insane. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> you know one wants to do with that. No. Um, so, was it logging right away, or was it... Uh, well, my dad always had an interest in the past, so I grew up with, like, 1950s vintage radios on the wall, uh-huh. old wooden snow skis, uh-huh. vintage Jacob's pig on the wall. Oh, wow. So, I would say it's more just, like, the past was something that was always around me, because uh-huh. my dad was super into that, uh-huh. so longboarding was all I knew. That's uh-huh. what he rode, that's what I rode. Uh-huh. And I didn't think anything else of it, really. Like, like it was just a norm was. for you, Yeah, really? that's just what we rode. Uh-huh. Um, but I really didn't know that there was a world of other people doing longboarding, I'd say, until I got a little older. Because, like, okay. South Bay, there wasn't, like, people no. longboarding all over the place. No, no, there were And how old are you? I uh, just turned 30. Okay. It's so, like, Mike Sioria, he's older. And he was, like, surfing further north than me. Yeah, yeah. So my little pocket, like... That's small. There wasn't... I did. I wasn't... Um, I don't know. I just wasn't... It wasn't around me. It was yeah. just my dad. That was the only guy I knew the longboard. Oh, that's interesting. Because a lot of other people's story, what, what's, what's kind of interesting to them with logging, is that, like, they always felt like they were outcasts because there wasn't anyone around them. They were, there were surfers around them that were mostly, like, shortboarding mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So for you, it's, like, almost like this was, like, the lane that was, like, it was there, and it made sense to you. Yeah, and, like, I didn't really think anything of it. It was, like, this is what we did on the weekend sometimes, uh-huh. and, like, ride the big board and uh-huh. try to walk up it like my dad did. It uh-huh. wasn't like I... I don't really feel like I was introduced to the surfers of the past as far as like how things were, like style-wise, all that uh-huh. stuff. Like my dad wasn't showing me like old surf movies or things like that. It was just like it was the whole I don't know, getting lost. <laughs> it was like us, like natural osmosis in a way. Yeah, like it, was it just, wasn't forced. It wasn't no, like like it was okay, like, Friday's movie night. Let's watch Endless Summer. Like, yeah, and like yeah. that was it. It wasn't. I yeah. just I wasn't like previewed to like what it was it was just what we did it just made sense yeah so when did you move out of there so i moved out of the south bay when i was 18 i moved uh-huh. down to san diego for school okay so i went to cal state san marcos and then through that just kind of like searched around north county uh-huh. and then 
finishing up school, it was pretty much my last year, I met someone randomly serving North Carolina that had an affiliation with me. Uh-huh. And then they kind of got me in contact with them, we started chatting, and then pretty much right when I finished college, being moved their factory at Tanzanitas, and uh-huh. I ended up just getting a job with them. Oh, that's awesome. So I never went back after that. <laughs> You're like, well, I don't play. Yeah. Um, now having, you know, that heritage through osmosis and stuff, who are some of the other people that were, like, let's say when you moved up here, who were some of the people that took you under their wing? Surfing was. Um. Honestly, I feel like I just kind of like figured it out by myself. Okay. Like, I don't really feel like someone sh- really showed me the ropes. Uh huh. It was more just like watching, viewing, and then trying to emulate. Uh huh. So, like I was saying, like I didn't really have people that I was looking up to in the South Bay that were doing stuff. Like there was, there's one guy that was like on the scene. I would say earlier than most, and that was like Sean O'Brien, and he was just like, he had. The vintage car, the vintage board, the, the whole, whole look, the short, short deal. But I didn't like see him all the time. And then it was when I got introduced, it was funny, I think I was like 12 or something. Uh-huh. And I saw my first longboard magazine. Uh-huh. I was like, there's other people that do this. Like, I was just so unaware that there was this oh, whole wow. scene of like longboarding going on. Uh-huh. And then it was through that after that I started finding out there was more people. And then kind of like, like I was drawn to like, as I think a lot of people were like Alex Nost and CJ Nelson were probably my two biggest influences because uh-huh. at that time like hyper longboarding was still pretty relevant. Yeah. So like a lot of the magazines was like a lot of hyper with a sprinkle of like single fin stuff. Yeah. And then you'd buy a DVD and the same thing. It was like hyper hyper and then Alex would have a part, Joel would have a part, and CJ would have a part. Uh huh. So and it was a lot harder to kind of get content to see. It's not like today where YouTube, Instagram can constantly mm-hmm. see things. Yeah. And really, I would say the people that kind of like caught onto the scene earliest was the Japanese. Uh-huh. Like they were super into the whole single fin scene. So it's interesting. I, I mean, a lot Japan does emulate a lot of retro cultures. Mm-hmm. The United States, like the car culture, yeah. the rockabilly culture. So it almost makes sense. It's that natural progression of yeah. the era, right? So if I wanted to see what was happening, uh-huh. I had to go on Japanese websites. Oh and just shit! Randomly click like hyperlinks that would take me to pictures. Because you can read it. Right? Yeah, so I would like <laughs> scour these Japanese websites just to uh-huh. see like a new clip of like Alex or whatever. Uh huh. So that kind of became like the daily search, like what can I find on the internet uh-huh. today? And it wasn't like today where it's just like everything's just like easy search, boom, boom, yeah, boom. Yeah, you go on Vimeo, you just put yeah. someone's name in, and like a zillion clips. Pop so up. and like this was the era when Cream came about, uh-huh. and like I think it was like. The beginning of like this new I don't know what you would call today's long morning but that scene was like really starting to explode mm-hmm. and that's what I like really caught my eye I was like damn I want to do this stuff that these guys are doing like Robbie um, Alex CJ and like that whole scene was just like you go to Sano and it was just like watch that's a it. movie sit on the beach and watch all these guys surf it's yeah like crazy I so had that the, was I, like, yeah. I had the same, I think I had the same experience like the first time I went to Santa, like mm-hmm. I was kind of blown away. Like yeah. like coming from LA, like I was like, you're used to surfing Malibu, Malibu's just like a fucking shit show. Yeah. But then like when you show up to Santa, you're like, I could actually sit here all day and would just watch. Yeah, it was, it was cool many, stuff. Like especially that era, yeah. I think was, uh, there's something, because longboarding was still pretty underground. Yeah. It wasn't like where it is today, where it's like there's lots of people that have accepted it, do it, whatever. Huh. So, like, when you would see people that, like, had the equipment, like, had the whole deal going, it was really cool to, like, be able to sit down and just check it out. Were there, like, really not that many pockets of it? No. Like, in my opinion, like, especially coming, like, South Bay, yeah. like, it, it started growing more and more, like, up and down the coast, but it was, like, 
I've found it rare that you would like run into someone that rode like traditionally inspired single fins, kind of mm-hmm. had the whole deal. Uh-huh. So when you saw it, you're like, oh, someone else doing it. It's kind of cool. Was it hard to get boards in a sense? Um, well, through my dad, he had a guy in LA that made like single fin deals. Uh-huh. So I would just get boards from him uh-huh. and then just rode those pretty much for a super long period of time. And then when I got down here, it got linked up with Bing and rode Anderson for a little bit. Uh-huh. But yeah, and then pretty much have been Bing ever since. So. And what have, what have you been, like, so what have you been working on with Bing? So me and Matt have been kind of going after a new model uh-huh. that we originally based. So I shaped, finally shaped my first board this last oh, cool. summer after being here for like seven years. I was like, all right, well, I got <laughs> to try this one. And it actually worked like pretty good. I just got lucky. Like uh-huh. super rough, but it worked pretty uh-huh. decent. So we tried to kind of base it off that with okay. Matt's fine-tuning and uh-huh. turn it into something better and we were kind of chasing that for a while and we were getting some progress but it wasn't really going in like the direction we wanted uh-huh. so Matt just made this new thing that's looking pretty nice uh-huh. um, it's actually gonna be finished today but he kind of just took what he knows I mean I've been fortunate enough to ride like all the models here uh-huh. and I'd say that's probably the biggest thing I've gained while at Bing is like gaining an understanding of like surfboard design uh-huh. and like what actually makes a nose rider work and what different elements and rockers make different nose riders work different ways. Uh-huh. So he kind of took what he knew that I liked and then kind of like smashed it all together and made this new board. So what are what are the big mo- like what kind of boards do you tend to lean towards? Do you tend to lean towards like wide point forward, wide point back? Um, I've found that I kind of like more of like abrupt tail rockers. Like uh-huh. the flip at the last little end, uh-huh. and then combo that with a blended concave. Because uh-huh. I feel with those, you get a lot more control from the nose, and they respond better to like abrupt stalls, and you can kind of flick them around more. Whereas sense. like Nuevas with the deeper concaves, they have like a longer gradual J rocker. Yeah. And they prefer to kind of be like flowed into more, uh-huh. or as opposed to like stalls and things like that. Where you could just like snap it. Real yeah, quick. and you can like pretty much stop the board run up there and have control and tweak from the nose. Yeah. Like. That blended concave with that kind of abrupt tail rocker, I uh-huh. find work best for that. Uh-huh. So, and do you think that's more in tune to your surfing or or the breaks that you're surfing or a combo? Um, I think <clears throat> I think like um, like watching. I always liked Alex's approach with uh-huh. that, and then growing up in the South Bay, surfing really fast. Don't be beach rake. You yeah. have to be quick if you're going to make the yeah. best out of the section. Yeah. So those kind of boards kind of work best to do that now have you seen a trend uh, have now working at Bing obviously see everything that they're outputting and stuff what's the biggest trend you think you've seen go out of here in terms of blogs uh, it's kind of always changing uh-huh. like the past bit people have been kind of gravitating towards more of the Australian involvement style mm-hmm. um, it's always switching up I mean when the longboard scene kind of first came on everyone was riding like big wide tanky nose riders yeah and then it kind of switched more towards maneuverable but still allowing nose rides uh-huh. and stuff like that um so yeah i would say right now the goal i see most people is trying to get performance of turning but also allowing some nose ride capabilities so it's these two wor- worlds merging right they're like basically like the bookends and they're trying to get them closer and closer yeah together. but then again at the end of the day it's like preference it's like if you want more of a nose rider mm-hmm. there are certain designs you can do that if you want more turning we got that too it's just pretty much what you're looking 
to do. Yeah, I've seen a lot of the, the, the trend of the involvement style stuff like really start popping up. Like a lot of shapers are kind of going that like wide point back, like, you know, thinner nose. Mm -hmm. And then people have kind of messing around lately more with like trying to have like pseudo edged nose riders. Mm -hmm. So you still have that drive and... Oh, with like in the back end, you mm -hmm. mean? Yeah. But it's again, it's like depending on what you want to do and what you It's like, like a little high pro influence then. Yeah, and it, the people have been trying to like get the perfect balance of both worlds pretty much. Mm -hmm. And it's a little different sensation ride-wise, but people seem to be into it. CJ's been making some cool stuff and mm -hmm. he's been kind of taking that path recently. He seems to be working for him, so yeah. It's all good. Um, so in your surfing, like, like how um, do you go to a lot of festivals and that kind of thing? Um, not too much right now. Okay. I definitely went through a period, like, I was going to the Noosa Festival every year. Uh -huh. um, a couple years went to Portugal. They had the Gliding Barnacles Festival. It's a pretty cool oh, wow. setup. Um, but honestly, I've been trying to... I've been more geared towards if I'm going to go on a trip, I want to go somewhere where there isn't anyone. Uh -huh. I mean, festivals are cool. It's great to catch up with friends from all over the world and do that. But yeah. if I'm going to travel like completely across the world, mm -hmm. I'd rather go somewhere where there's emptier waves. Yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. And you've had like three years. You were talking about how you lived out of your van for three years to give you that flexibility. What were some of the places that you were like traveling to? Um... Well, the van was cool for that purpose, like just having like no ties, you could just get up and go. Yeah. No rent, that whole deal. Um, so, Noosa was on the list, so I did that back to back for a few years, Portugal, and then finally I got to check out the bucket list, did New Zealand last year, which was insane. Did you do the single fin mingle? I missed it by a week. Uh -huh. Like scheduling wise with my buddies that I went on the trip with, we couldn't go till a week after, so uh -huh. I just missed it, but I got to hang with all those guys. And How are the waves down there? It's a South Island, right? Yeah, South Island. So we pretty much bounce around South Island. Uh -huh. But it's good. I mean, empty waves. It's worth the trip, you think? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. yeah. People are cool. Uh -huh. um, yeah, all the guys in Christchurch kind of hooked us up and really showed us a, a good time and kind of pointed us in the right direction to some cool spots. Uh -huh. But yeah, New Zealand's definitely... It's probably one of the best places I've been. I've been. I haven't gone there for surfing. I've gone there like recreationally. I've been to um, Queenstown. Mm. Um, we went there for our honeymoon, and my wife's been dying to go back. And that's why I'm kind of like I'm asking anybody who's gone. I'm like, okay, is it worth it? Like to like. It's just nice to have board? some elbow room. Like yeah. <laughs> you just get on this two lane highway and cruise down the coast. Yeah. Like I've heard some people describe to it as like California, back back in the day. Really. Just because it's just like wide open. There's quite an abundance of waves. Uh -huh. and people are nice and friendly, and you just kind of kind of tuck into little zones, check yeah. it out, can find little beach breaks here and there, and uh -huh. yeah, super, super cool place. Yeah, I, would de I definitely want to check it out. I, know, I think we're going to try to go back, do a Fiji, New Zealand trip, like, in the next, like, two years. Um, uh, speaking of uh, that part of the world, uh, so one of the companies you've been linked up with is Rhythm recently? Yeah, so I uh, just linked up with those guys and been working on some stuff with them, and just... It's been a really good experience so far. Just like having them with a home base nearby, I've been able to just kind of collaborate with them more and like work more hands-on. They have a home base here? Yeah, so it's an Australian brand. Yeah. They also have a headquarters here, I believe it's in Irvine. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, so it's been nice just to be able to have that appointment here. Uh -huh. So it's a little easier in communication and just kind of getting things lined up. So uh -huh. um, yeah, everything's been great with them and 
looking forward to kind of things ahead and yeah. I mean, fun. they do great. The one thing I love about them, besides having a really good product, they do create good content. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everybody that they've done stuff with, like it's like it's. It, I hate to use this like cliche terms, like the the work. The video is pretty timeless. Like you can look at it five years later and be like, "Oh, I still want to watch this." Yeah, game. definitely. And I just I really appreciate the clean aesthetic they kind of have. It's like mm -hmm. simple, mm -hmm. clean gear, and that's kind of more my speed. So yeah. it's been nice to kind of link up with a brand that's on the same page like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we've just been working on trying to get a little edit together with the new board that me and Matt are working on. Just kind oh, of cool. tied into their whole deal. And where are you shooting that mostly? Uh, it's mostly just California. Okay. So, but Around been, here or up and down the coast? Just kind of up and down the coast, but the surf's been such dog crap. For the last year. It's been brutal. Yeah. But we're trying. Yeah, no, no. We'll get it. Believe we'll me, get we're done. I'm in the middle of making a video too, so I know what that's been like. Mm. Like scheduling days and being like. Yeah, you always plan on it being a month, and then it's like three months in, and you're just like, well, no. just keep chipping away at yeah. this. We'll get it sooner or later. You're, but we're like at this point you start getting desperate you're like eh, that beach break might look good if we shoot it a certain yeah, way <laughs> that, some movie magic make that happen yeah um, so you've been in the scene you know since you since you've been young what's the biggest change you've seen happen hmm. change I mean it was just like there's just there's just more people into it like, uh -huh. more people have been more accepting and uh -huh. I think because now the different platforms and social media just in front of more people's mm -hmm. faces and they kind of like like the shortboard deal is like so extreme whereas I feel like longboarding people kind of like grasp the idea of it more and like mm -hmm. so there's just a lot more people jumping on board and kind of into the whole deal and it, I mean it's cool to see there's a bunch of young kids coming up they're super good and mm -hmm. there's just uh, there's a lot more acceptance does it make it more possible to have a career in it if you want to say a career in it? I mean, it's it's pretty tricky to have a career in it, yeah, right. but I mean, there's definitely more opportunity for sure. Uh -huh. Just with like the more brands being kind of like intrigued and wanting to be a part of it, uh -huh. there's definitely more opportunity. But, yeah. I mean, but I guess then like, here's the thing, it, it, what I'm trying to get at, so there's this balance, right? You have more people into it that are mm -hmm. gonna put more money into the industry, yeah. but then there's more people in the lineup, right? So it's kind of yeah. It's and that's, I feel like surfing has just changed a lot from back then. Like most people, say when I was when I was growing up, like you would learn from someone that pretty much surfed their whole life. So like you would kind of like learn more more or less the rules. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas now it's like there's surf schools and. Costco boards and mm -hmm. things like that so people just don't really get the background mm -hmm. and what the protocols are kind of mm -hmm. so there's a little less uh, structure in lineups so they're not and also in a way they're not paying their dues right pretty much well they just don't really understand the whole deal yeah it's just like it's a lot of people that are CrossFit folks, like, oh, yeah, I'll do some surfing too. It's yeah. like, they don't really understand. <laughs> I'm not going to like, yoga class today. There's a little bit of yeah. rules that need to be followed, but yeah. no one really gets uh, the background and what they are. So, well, I mean, I notice it more up north, like where we surf mostly, like in LA. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, obviously, Malazu is just like yeah. the worst because of it. Mm -hmm. Down here, it seems most people know what the hell is going on. A little bit more than like you encounter up there. Maybe I mean to a certain extent. There's just there's a lot more people surfing, so yeah. you just got to deal with the the people that have no clue. So, yeah, which can be test your patience, but uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, and 
you can't really avoid it. It's just something that's happening, and you gotta make make the best of the yeah, situation. Yeah. I mean, I tell my friends in Hawaii, like, remember one of my friends in Hawaii took me to like a break, and he was like, oh, I'm, it was like a Saturday. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry, it's like really crowded, and we pull up, and there's like five people. I'm like. Dude, yeah. this is like not crowded. <laughs> like, not like, do you want to see when it's like to surf with like fifty people yeah. in the water? <laughs> they're like, what? Uh, I mean, people most trying. most people around the world like do not like for us in Southern California how we surf with the amount of people. They do not understand how that's possible. Like even like hardcore like like North Shore people like that surf sunset when it's like you know crowded. They're just like, how do you guys do that day to day? Like, yeah, and it's, it's just like Southern California is such like a sought after spot now it's mm-hmm. like it's amazing how much like this zone has changed in the past couple of years it's mm-hmm. just like you see such an influx of people moving here mm-hmm. that you have that mix too yeah so you just there's crowds everywhere in the water um, that freeways guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> those people so yeah but yeah it is I, I try to be respectful um yeah. <laughs> that's the best Why I you try do. yeah um what what are some of your favorite things about living in uh, northern county san diego I mean, there's there's a lot of options, and you can surf a lot. It's okay. like that's the biggest thing that drew me to the zone coming from South Bay. It was like you can only surf so much mm-hmm. where I grew up. Like especially like, you get the morning windows, and most of the time it's flat. So the ability to surf more often is probably my favorite things about this little stretch. Uh huh. And just the variety is a good variety of waves to choose from. Mm-hmm. Outside of surfing, what kind of stuff are you into? I mean. Like if you're not gonna surf and you're not working here, what would you be doing? Surfing is definitely on the top list, but I mean, just a little excursions. Like next week we're going up to Big Sur. Just oh cool. Just getaways, really. Just uh-huh. like trying to disconnect and get to an area where there's nobody is yeah. kind of the goal. So as often as I can do that, that's uh, it's a good time. And it's a beautiful place to do in California. Okay. I think that's the other reason a lot of people get a trike to it. I know. For us, when we moved here, that was the thing that I loved about it is that, like, on any given day, if we're not working or we don't have any obligations, like, we could drive two hours any direction and find something kind of cool and quiet to do. Pretty much, yeah. You know, and you can't say that about a lot of places in the United States that have a coastline. Mm-hmm. Like, you could say that, like, okay, in Monta- Montana, I could do that, but there's you're in fucking Montana, yeah. right? And the variety, it's like you can get little different pockets. Uh-huh. Different you could be skiing in like like in two hours. Pretty like, much go to the desert. Yeah. So it's pretty options. Awesome. You got options. Yeah, nice. <laughs> which make it good. Um, if you had to pick one place to surf in the world that is your favorite break, what would it be and why? I mean, out of all of them? All the places you've ever been. I would say New Zealand. Okay. Just because it's just like the lack of evil, really. Uh huh. And the variety, and just like it's probably the most scenic place I've ever been. Like, there's just mountain ranges just falling into the ocean. Yeah. It's like you see snowy caps into these green hills, into this just most like amazing looking bay you've ever seen. I mean, there's a reason they filmed Lord of the Rings. Yeah, then, right? Exactly. It's now, a magical place. No, I had the same feeling when I flew over it. Like, mm-hmm. like, when the clouds start to part and you're coming into the airport, you're like, holy shit, like, this is not real. Can yeah. it, like, this is kind of insane looking. It's definitely a special place. And it was cool because my uncle's from there. So oh, okay. So he had his 
pretty much his childhood home was still there, his farmhouse. Oh. So we got to use that as our home base. Oh, and shit. And that was pretty much a midpoint of South Island. So we would start there and then just pretty much, all right, we're going to do Mish here, bounce around, and then we would just come back there, post up, and then just kind of regroup and then head out from there. How hard was it to drive around? I mean, it's pretty simple. It was just like a coastal highway, two uh-huh. lanes, and you just, it, That's it connects through. So follow it, pit stop, little spots, and then huh. kind of go where you please. What is the surf scene like there? Are they, like, It's definitely not as uh, developed as it here. It's just less people do it. It's just uh-huh. not as, I mean, granted, it's growing, uh-huh. but it's just not as uh, full on. Are there like shapers there? Yeah, there's yeah. shapers, and there's definitely like little surf towns that are more kind of into the whole scene. Uh-huh. But there's just a lot of there's so much coast with just little farm towns. Like farming's massive, so it's like surfing's definitely happening over there. It just hasn't quite taken over. Like I mean, the way the way you are describing it does sound like how. California was like pre like 1960 almost mm-hmm. like you're talking about farms coastal farms yeah, and stuff like that great. which is pretty cool um, if there's anybody you wanted to thank in closing who would you like to thank <laughs> I mean there's a lot of people like thank family for sure mm-hmm. my pops wasn't around when we doing this uh-huh. um, mom and brother just that whole deal was super cool growing up just to have that not just the surfing but the family aspect to uh-huh. it and then for sure being because if it wasn't for them like I wouldn't have the knowledge that I've had these past couple of years and they've supported me all the way through this thanks so much uh, for sitting down with us Mick uh, and uh, giving us a little time your busy schedule uh, it was really cool to talk to him I'm a big fan of his surfing uh, I love seeing him out in the lineup when I've seen him at Sano. He has like amazing style and uh, it's great to just hear his story and what he's all about. But without further ado, uh, this is a kind of long episode, so I'm going to get back into the tracks and then I'll check in with you guys in a little bit and we'll talk to John. Peace. Can't sleep, I'm tossing and turning. I still got the candlesticks burning. It ain't changed, but it's a different time. And I'm still playing tricks with my mind. My mother's always stressing that I'm living wrong. But I got my Smith and Wesson cause I'm getting grown. And they're looking at your little boy's success. And I've been thinking, I'm dealing with too much stress. So I stay up on my P's and Q's. And watch out for the G's and food. Cause the homies that I thought I had See me stacking up a grip And they just started talking back So I stay away from outsiders And when I wrote them It makes them open their mouth wider I used to think that you was my one and only homie My mind was playing tricks on me uh. My mind was playing tricks on me I'm having a little problem with my mind state How many bullets would it take to change my mind? Wait, sometimes I want to end it, but I don't, though They tell me see my pastor, but I don't go Cause they all be on this one street So I take it on myself to thank him one day 
and give my money to the most needy, uh, and never put it in the hands of the most greedy, cause they're putting a price tag on the man's worth, and it's a fashion show, so the men flirt, the world is ending, so they try to make a switch fast, and they opening up these churches for some quick cash, and using the money for their new cribs, while brother Johnson just got kicked out where he lived, I follow no man, cause man beat folk, my mom was playing tricks on me. Day by day is more impossible to cope. I feel like I'm the one that's doing dope. Can't seem to keep my mind on a steady track. I'm all about getting mine, so I study that. But it seems they want to get. So I try to keep my nine millimeter with Just in case they want to see your homie's head flown. But I gotta stay around to see my kids grown. I finally found a woman who could deal with me. Back then I had a girl who wasn't real with me. And now she's back with her old lady. And now I got it going on and they show hate me. Now I'm a gone and she's a loner. <laughs> yeah. I'm always playing tricks on her. One time for your motherfucking mind. Bringing it back like this here, 1991 all the way to the 1994 when they call me Face. Yeah, mom was playing tricks on me. Possible. My flow knocked the walls off of Hell's Kitchen. Hell of a vision. I body it to hell. Listen, Master Park shootouts. I'm after dark routes. Knock on your door and throw a shark inside your house, nigga. Open wide, I make metal walls cry. Rich and misfortune and catastrophic collide. The reason that I'm high because my mama just died. I didn't even cry, just try to murder the sky. Another level, my inner soul is embezzled. Act disrespectful, my shooter rating successful. I'm hood fights. I'm the six bullets that hit shook night. Nothing sugar here. I'm the nigga from the brook nice. When no emotions see that vocally pop guys. Pop goes a reason, smoke spinach and Popeye. Glock threads the needle, desert eagle to flock fly. Father to apocalypse, an animal archive. Ugh. Barbarian best friends with LG, I see y'all scared of them. Fuck rap, they gotta be drugs Shook over shit written in Prodigy book Real shit, fam damage with the gun in the head Field trips, ham sandwich with the Wonder Bread Slap hoes, eat bacon Clap toes, feet shaking So tough this nigga rough You write something better, so what? I don't give a fuck Never ran, never will Bet I ran with that man hands on his steel Back though, I'll be strapped, clap, cats, and black folks. Decepts, jumping your kids, no black on black crime. I just hunt where I live. Pay. Off the top, this is body the nightclub. Who wanna die against the slippers of fight club? Fuck a rapper, ain't nothing here like us. Who wanna die against the slippers of fight club? Off the top, this is body the nightclub. Who wanna die against the slippers of fight club? Fuck a rapper, ain't nothing here like us. Fight Club, nigga. Ah. Ah. 
my niggas want? Is it talk? Well, you got it. Bet this gun blast to your chest and leave your moms broken hearted. Get me started. Come up against this. Is you retarded? I ain't shit on you motherfuckers yet. I only fought it. Just stop this nigga from Barbaro. That's Chris. Put on my mouth shit. The hottest Latino rapper. Big pun up on his fly shit. G-Rap the soul survivor with truck. Kills all the nonsense. When Molly doing the track is big. I'm in Jurassic. Like talk this shit's a classic. From the cradle to the casket. Gonna blow from Bangkok to Brooklyn. Beijing to the boogie down. Then back to my block. Cops follow the trail. That lead back to me. I went wrong with two blocks. But it rolls off like Tupac. Go clutch the only draws. Can't save you. Still gonna be a holocaust. Truck turner. Show no remorse. Go ahead, nigga. Floss. We gon' be around when the sun go down. I rob you. We gun you down. The phone fall. Make a thunder sound. Rushing like hug the ground. I'm a count to ten. Don't turn around. You see my face. I'm a blaze. Then let off. Another round. Another round. To your family. Put you underground. I told you, kid. I let you down. Spray you down. Clean your town. Bronx pound. Team player. Don't play around. Who am I? Truck turner. You're learning now. No matter where you from. I'm the arsonist. I'll burn it down. My mother, motherfucker, how dare you disrespect me? Hey, bitch, you coming through with the fifth and glocks, ripping shots and hitting blocks, leaving kids rock, put in the hitting box, splitting tops, leaving face hot, dotted like chicken box, clips the cops with blood out, sniffing socks, sticking rocks, no trace, get your click rub, your wigs log, the shit plug, catch a big mug, tapping just like a chick with big jugs, up in the strip club, rivers of blood, no coffee, blowtorch, like auto mechanics, you order the panic, you slaughter, you banish, your daughter be planted, inside the ground, more than the granite, my gunshots will make you over.
try to identify the man in front of you But it ain't the gold, the gear, or the money though Swift intellects and this with plenty of Like if it's dark, I spark every one of you I throw a mic in the crowd if it's questions I got the answer and includes directions Don't manufacture a mask to me after a blast If a master that has to make musical master Cause attack your rap till it's handicapped You never hold a mic again, try to hand it back For every rapper that comes to cut off his thumbs Put a record to his neck and he swallows a hump Slice from ear to ear so he can hear better Before he bleed to death, hear a heavy letter And you can see how quick and thick your blood can get If you try to change the style of the subject As I can deepen the rhyme of becoming a MC murderer before I'm done, I'ma prepare the chamber The torch is coming up Trip through the mind At the end, you'll find it's the Punisher Kill him again Hold the mic, it's hostage. I'm seized with ransom. Rhymes to punish him because they don't understand him. I heat up his brain, then explain, then I hand him a red hot microphone. That's how I brand him. Rhymes full information. Unite and ignite. Like a platoon putting bullet wounds in the mic. If you curse me, it ain't no mercy. Give him an autopsy. Killed by a verse of me. I took a kid and cut off his eyelids. Kill him slow so he can see what I did. And if he don't understand what I said, I'm pushing his eyeballs way to the back of his head so he can see what he's getting into. Part of the mind that he never been through The journey is coming cause you're getting sent to A place harder to find but it's all in the metal I run a brain scan to locate his game plan When I'm through with his brain he ain't the same man Did he lose his mind or lost in his mind But this ain't the loss I found Because you can't find your foundation Coasting, your mind is drifting in slow motion Frozen, looks like another murder at the Mardi Gras B too late to send out a search party Once you're out of your head, then you can't get back I give them a map, but they still get trapped So prepare the chamber, the torch is coming up Trip through the mind, at the end you'll find it's the Punisher Kill him again Perform like surgery, cut so deep, you'll be bleeding burgundy. My intellect wrecks and disconnects. Your cerebral cortex, your cerebral limb is next. Your conscious becomes subconscious. Soon your response is nonsense. The last words are heard, mumbled and slurred. Then your verbs are no longer heard. You get your lump fries up with your tongue tied. He caught the swing of hang, so he hung till he died. Reincarnate him and kill him again, again and again, again and again. I leave him in the mausoleum so you can see him. I got a dead MC in museum. When I create him, I cremate him and complicate him. You can't save him, there's no ultimatum. Mics lay around full of ashes with the victim's name and slashes. I got a long list and I'ma get every one of you. Beware of the Punisher. I'ma kill him again Wake him up Kill him again
Let me see how many palms go up high if you ever felt the world had to live. And would you wave from side to side to symbolize needing help in the sand for you under quick? Big mama said the devil's up to no good, but we can heal it on a Sunday with a good book. But or if we kill it on a Monday for a good look. And make it part of the campaign to withstand pain. Me, myself, place it all on my shoulders and give it my all like heavy lifting. No game without tears and sweat to claim blue skies with white clouds steady drifting. When pain come to get you, it hit you like flow. Better times will pick you. Do what you gotta do. To earn focus in the stormy weather. Come out the tunnel to the light saying. Welcome back 
to the Bodega Border Crew podcast, volume 30. Shit, I can't believe I've done 30 of these. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I know the release of these has been kind of sporadic, but that just kind of hit me right now that there's actually 30 of these in the can. Um, anyway, uh, hope you guys have been digging the tracks. I know uh, this week what I'm trying to do on this episode is really highlight some tracks that you typically don't hear of. Some of it's newer stuff, relatively speaking to golden era hip hop, some of it's older. But I just wanted to mix it up, um, not your usual uh, library selection. It's really easy to fall into that trap. Like I always say that like I have probably in the back of my head like these 30, 40 tracks that are almost part of my DNA that I'll throw into one of them into every episode or so. Um, and I'm trying to fight that and I'm trying to really look you know, album wide instead of track wide and songs that I forgot and uh, I think that people should check out. So this episode's part of it. Um, the other thing this episode's part of is uh, is talking to John from Matus. Uh, John had us over at the Black Spot, which is their uh, concept store in uh, in Del Mar, which is really cool. Uh, they have their product there. They have other brands there. They sell Joel's uh, surfboards there, some van stuff. It's in this really cool building. I really dig it. Um, we might have something going on with them uh, in the future, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but here's a little interview I did with John so you can get a better feel of what their company is about and uh, what they have uh, planned for the future. Grew up in San Diego, North County, uh-huh. for the most part. My, um, my dad is originally from Boston. Okay. He's 100% Irish. Um, my mom... She's originally from Cleveland. She's 100% Italian. Uh-huh. Both uh, sides of my family brought them to uh, uh, San Diego, or the military brought both of them to San Diego. Okay. Uh, in the 70s. Okay. And uh, my mom grew up in Claremont. My dad actually lived a block behind uh, the Black Spot. Okay. When he was in the Navy in the 70s. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. And uh, and so that's that's a big part of the inspiration is to just what Del Mar is for the brand. Uh-huh. And so um, <clears throat> was the ocean and surfing a big part of your life as a kid? Yeah, definitely. I mean, my dad coming from a place like Boston, we're sailing and uh-huh. swimming and being somebody who's kind of like comfortable around that kind of coastal lifestyle. Uh-huh. Uh, I think a lot of it is probably inspired by like people like the Kennedys going out to the Cape and uh-huh. doing a lot of kind of stuff. So... Growing up in Encinitas, my dad always put a huge emphasis on being comfortable in that arena. So I was on a swim team. Oh, okay. Um, you know, um, I always joke with people that Zach Plopper and myself <laughs> used to go boogie boarding a lot when we were kids. And Zach is one of the very first people that Matusa ever sponsored. He's uh-huh. the executive director for Wild Coast today. Uh-huh. And um, so a lot of my friends growing up were people that were or still are. Um, relatively well-known names in the in the inner circles of San Diego. Kind so of you've always had that like connection with the, the locals <clears throat> and stuff like that. Always had a very strong connection with with that circle, especially coming to being that I grew up in in Encinitas. And you went to college back out east. Yeah, so I went to Dartmouth uh-huh. and um, uh, loved it there. I mean, I went, um, I did my homework in high school and uh, tried real hard and all that kind of stuff but I'm also happy to say that sports helped me get into college I think uh-huh. um, you know I don't talk about it a ton but I led all running backs in San Diego <laughs> County in average per carry 
uh, oh, wow. senior year, and I was always one of the one of the quicker um, guys in, in in the city. So oh, I'd wow. probably make it to like city semifinals on the hundred meter dash wow. every year. And uh, so I was quick in football and quick in track, and I did both at Dartmouth. Oh, cool. Um, and when did you did you stay out east or did you? Um, so I stayed out east for a little while. Uh-huh. Um, I uh, was lucky enough to have an internship at IMG. Okay. Um, so Charles Barkley's agent was my boss, and oh, wow. um, then let's see here. Um, I took a job at a startup company, which had a massive influence on obviously Matus getting going. Uh-huh. Where I learned a lot of the do's and don'ts of building a small organization. Uh-huh. Uh, the chairman of that startup company was uh, the ex CEO of Mastercard. Okay. And um, I wouldn't say that I got to spend an enormous amount of time with him, but he was a regular fixture around the office, and I got to live in South Africa during that uh-huh. that. That time. Oh wow! For how long? Uh, I lived in South Africa for about four months. Oh, that's pretty fun. Yeah, at the end of at in, in Johannesburg. Johannesburg, yeah. yeah. So it was real. Uh-huh. Um, it wasn't the glamour of Cape Town. It was. Yeah. It was. It was Johannesburg. Yeah. And uh, it was great. And so I, I think I, from that experience, developed a real interest in building something, uh-huh. and also building something with a very global mindset. And Matus to this day, it always amazes people when they find out how many of our customers, how many of our transactions every year happen with international people. So the sparks were kind of being laid there, right? The little seeds. Mm-hmm. And what brought you back to San Diego County? Um, I think just a want, a need, a love for the state of California. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's something just eminently special about what California has always meant to mm-hmm. the world and the the halo effect uh, in terms of the mentality that exists particularly you know along the coastline in California right. so even though n- people from Northern California say that they're so different from people from Southern California and they're right there still is a like-mindedness that, that's there right and um, I never wanted to really lose the connection with that uh-huh so how did what was the the kind of aha moment that made you want to start Matus? So at the time, I'd been working for this other startup um, for about 18 months. Okay. And Out here? Out here. Um, and uh, I was also writing on the side for ESPN uh-huh. and for a hip-hop magazine named King. Mm-hmm. And I um, was going back to New York a lot for that. Okay. And was just bumping into a lot of things at that time in my life. Okay. And um, so through a little bit of research on an article and all that, I ended up colliding with uh, this material uh-huh. um, that we today call Geoprene. Mm-hmm. And um, back in those days, there wasn't really, you know, a, a, a category for this kind of material as there is today. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's very fair to say that Matus, we, we pioneered, um, you know, the the use and the understanding of that technology as it relates to wetsuits and maybe some other stuff too. How did you like stumble across it? I mean, so there's a tiny bit of chemical engineering uh-huh. that went on with my previous position. Okay. Um, I'm not a chemical engineer, okay. but I had enough exposure to it to go, okay, I, generally I kind of understand the inputs to that, to, uh-huh. that, to that realm. 
And a lot of the kind of fascinating parts of Geoprene were smack dab down the middle of that fairway of saying, this is a material that's comprised of X input. And the output um, of these ingredients is a limestone-based rubber with perfectly uniform microcell structure. And that kind of blew my mind. I was like, how do you make rubber from uh -huh. rock? Yeah. And um, so I wanted to learn more about it. Okay. And being, a, being an investigative kind of go get them freelance writer at the yeah. time, you know, I called up a lot of people, wanted to learn more about all this stuff, called up the company that made it um, in Japan. Uh -huh. And um, I'll never forget, one of the very first things I said to these guys was that I wanted to be their ambassador Ichiban. Uh -huh. um, growing up, my dad placed a huge emphasis um, on Japanese culture in uh -huh. the household. His first um, place in the Navy, outside of being in Boston his entire life prior, was in Japan. Oh, okay. Um, and, you know, he really just kind of dove into the deep end of being in Japan as a, as a young, uh, you know, JAG attorney in the Navy. And um, so when he came back here and he started a family and all that, he put my sister and myself in a very traditional Okinawan karate dojo for about eight, nine years. Oh, wow. Every, every class, um, not the whole class, but a portion of every class was in Japanese. The sensei uh, who taught it, um, he, was, he was half Japanese, Toshiaki Gillespie. Uh, Showrun Ru Matsumura, um, and uh, really interesting guy, and it gave me an immense appreciation, I think, for all of the complexities that go into Japanese culture, Japanese products. It frankly developed a real fascination uh, in me that, that that came, I think, from my dad's own fascination. Uh -huh. um, and uh, so to fast forward to like you know when we we're getting the tooth going. My dad and myself were very fortunate, of course, to have uh, linked up with Matt down at Mitch's. He had a very similar kind of, um, I think, interest throughout his life in Japanese culture. And, you know, I, I just think that you, you meet folks that love certain things. And we were lucky enough to kind of have the, the core cadre of Matus be a like-minded bunch that, that, that thought stuff in Japan generally was innovative, mm -hmm. quality, you know, from a design standpoint, there's always that kind of emphasis on less is more. Yeah. Um, not always. You know, there's a lot of busyness that you can go and see in Japan as well. Yeah. Of course. Um, from a storytelling standpoint, you know, I think that uh, uh, a friend of mine who is, an, is almost like a true scholar of Japanese culture, um, uh, he talked a lot about a method of Japanese storytelling where you introduce an idea Act two is almost a complete flurry of other things that almost make no sense whatsoever, and then you conclude the story in act three. And I think that that for sure has been like a massive influence um, on Matusa's story arc as a brand, uh -huh. and also just as I think on the experience of building a company, you know, from the ground up as a young person, where like you have this initial spark of something, and uh, I don't want to say that you ever lose religion. Hopefully, you never lose religion. But like, you know, there's that that in between zone where you're like, what the heck is going on? Right. I'm drinking through a fire hose. There's too many things moving around me. 
and then maybe you know you're lucky enough to kind of land the plane yeah with all souls on board so it's a good story behind it yeah um when was the first suit that you guys made <clears throat> so let's see here in we started the real prototyping in 05 uh-huh. uh, we didn't put anything onto the shelves until the very end of 2006. Was that at Mitch's you were selling? So the first accounts we had were Mitch's in La Jolla, Mitch's in Solana Beach, ZG Boarding House, um, back in the day at least, and um, let's see here, Thalia Street in Laguna. And uh, then after that, we added on like an account on the North Shore. Okay. Um, Surf Garage. Okay. Um, that was it. Which I love. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite shops. Yeah, Tori's a great guy. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, the, people always say back in those days, you know, only open so many accounts that you can satiate in yeah. terms of the demand and all the product and all the rest. And for us, like every other small company, I think, um, you know, we, we definitely had bottlenecks of just getting product to those guys, mm -hmm. just to those guys. But, you know, for us, we also were so dedicated to continually improving the core product of Matus. Um, we just kind of had our heads down. In fact, we always used to talk about having the blinders on. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one of the things that I, I think I heard from, from Matt very early on. Like, hey, let's just have our blinders on. Let's just have our blinders on. And, and uh, so we, we definitely had our heads down, perfecting the suits, mm -hmm. still being inspired by all of these other inputs around us. Right. But, you know, wanting to at least have people understand that we're going to do a good job with this wetsuit yeah. part of it, even if we're interested culturally in other stuff. Right. Um, <clears throat> now, at the time, I mean, you guys were like one of the first or the first, like, quote unquote, Japanese rubber suits out there. How was it? How did you guys go about like educating people about Because nowadays, like in the surf world, like everybody knows what it is or they know a version of it. So at that point, nobody knew it. What was how did you educate people about it? It's funny, the very first thing we did that we all thought was kind of fun and edgy, um, not trying to be disrespectful in any way, was we took a dime bag, uh -huh. plastic baggie, and filled it up with white limestone rocks. <laughs> and then we also added a fortune cookie little thing into the, into the, uh, the bag, and it said, these rocks will change your life. <laughs> and we stapled that to every hang tag. Actually, we tied it with a little hemp rope, but there was like a dime bag that looked uh -huh. extremely similar to like, you know, a bag of rocks uh -huh. uh, on every Matus hang tag for the first two batches wow. of materials. Because we knew that if we could get people to grab that hang tag, look at that bag of rocks, and at least maybe kind of sort of open the hang tag and read some of the quote unquote literature, then we had a fighting chance to, to educate them. And of course, this is you know 2006, so it's really you know pre iPhone, basically yeah. the beginnings of Facebook, and social media for the most part didn't exist. Yeah, well that's why I was curious. Like at that at that point, like it's not exactly the easiest thing to introduce a new technology to an audience who's been basically in the same technology for like 20, 30 years. If you right. think about it, I mean, what you guys introduced to the market revolutionized. I think the wetsuit industry because now everybody's jumping on it, right? Like yeah. everyone and their mother. Um, who were some of the people that helped you in terms of the, you know, the spokespeople um, on the surf side of things early on? So the the OG uh -huh. Matus family uh -huh. that we talk about sometimes started with um, Nicola Jones and Flynn Novak. 
Okay. And interestingly, you know, we met both of them roughly at the same time. Uh-huh. Um, growing up, going to Torrey Pines High School, we would play a, a game of football to start out the season against someone in Hawaii. Uh-huh. And my senior year, we ended up playing Campbell High School uh, in the Aloha Bowl. Uh-huh. It was just an awesome experience. Campbell was a pretty decent team that year. We scrimmaged against Kahuku that same Red Raiders. week. Yeah. <laughs> And they were state champs that year. We ended up finishing. What are they? Not, not state champs, by the yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say that they like whooped our ass. Anything, <laughs> that was a different... We did very well against Campbell. We act, we, we kind of blew Campbell out right. uh, in the actual game. Kahuku was really good. Yeah. And we finished second in the city that, that, that season. But I think I loved going and seeing like the energy of Hawaii. Uh-huh. Whether it be taking place you know in a surf capacity an outdoor capacity a social setting or in sports there's like a I, I, not to sound cheesy or cliche but there's like an absolute raw energy that exists there uh-huh. and I think we all know that and so you know knowing that surfing's raw energy at its purest form came from Hawaii um, we couldn't find a more authentic way to align our company with with the people there and um, so Flynn and Mikala, then Daniel Jones and Jamie Sterling. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that, that kind of forms the, the, the OG kind of innards of, of Matus. And so, yeah, we had a lot of really special times in the, in the early days, just kind of getting to know them and them coming here and us hanging out and partying and stuff like that. Now, how much of an input did they have, like, in terms <clears> of, <throat> like, you know, your suits, your cuts and stuff like that? Like, did you guys learn a lot from them, like, in terms of, like... You know, them giving you input, like, oh, I think the knee pads should be higher. Or like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, part of the continual improvement mm-hmm. was wanting to take input from everybody. Certainly everybody that we trusted in respect of the opinions of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think if you can have a good, solid friendship with someone, but understand that they're going to give you a good, solid critic, it's it's great because it's, it's a safe environment to workshop anything. Right. Instead of, <clears throat> excuse me, instead of taking it to the guy down the street who may just want to rip it to discourage you. Yeah. Or rip it because you're not measuring up to something that you had the blinders on so you didn't, right. you didn't even know it existed. You know, I think that back in those days in the early sort of um, era of Matus, it was really important that we kept that, that sewing circle relatively small uh-huh. on the product dev side. So of course McCall or Jamie's, Jamie, Jamie Sterling was huge. I mean, like, Jamie would go to Ireland and wear a 432 hoplite. And, you know, I don't know if Jamie had ever worn a suit that was as warm as a geoprint suit. So for him, that that OG Matus is probably far warmer than any other product that he had ever put on. Right. And especially on a ratio of kind of like warmth to, to weight. To thickness and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, there's been like tons of people who've worn them. Uh, one of the most mm-hmm. kind of notable people is Joel Tudor. How did that relationship start with you guys? Um, through through Matt uh-huh. and through Mitch's surf shop. Uh-huh. Um, Joel is definitely, I think, one of the one of the family members of Mitch's. You know, Mitch Haggio being a massive inspiration of uh, the Matus community, um, being someone that we. Uh, um, that we 
definitely have learned a lot from, um, absorbed a lot from in the way of it, him just being a, a pioneer of his own right mm. in Southern California surf kind of lore. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I was telling you earlier that the first time I think I met Joel was at ASR. Right. Um, and, you know, thought he was an interesting character, definitely, um, you know, wanted to kind of eventually, like a lot of people, I think, get to know the guy for real. Yeah. Um, but it was really through Mitch's that I think we were able to kind of develop um, a, that much closer of a bond. But interestingly, I mean, <clears throat> like I said, Joel's from Claremont. My mom ended up going um, and being effectively just raised in high school. She went to Madison High School in Claremont. And um, Joel uh, grew up on Governor Drive. And our first office from Matus was in the back of my dad's law firm on Governor Drive for the first seven years. Oh, wow. And then Joel and myself, we've both lived on the same street in Delmar for basically the last 11 years. Okay. So, you know, we, we've crossed a lot of paths together, done a lot of cool travels together, and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't... I've never had a bigger brother, huh? but I definitely have um, learned to kind of like, you know, accept... Except the constructive criticism, <laughs> the, Joel, the Joel talk of a Joel, yeah, <laughs> um, as as any sort of brother, I guess. So, um, learned a ton from him. Been a massive, massive influence in my life, and you know, I, it makes me very proud to say that that I think next to Vans, Matus is Joel's second longest sponsor. Yeah, I think. Well, Takayama, without a doubt. Yeah, but next to next to those kinds of names, it makes me very proud to say that we've been yeah, the with, same, with him and his family. Same life. conversation. Yeah. Um, so we're right now in the black spot. So how did this space start? And what was the idea? And like, I mean, take me through the thought process of how you came up with it. It was a really special time in the company. There's a lot moving, um, as always. What year was this? This was in early 2014. Okay. So, um, let's see here. We had spent the first from 05 to through the end of 2012, beginning of 13, in my father's law firm. Without a doubt, it was the world's best incubator, accelerator, platform, whatever any young company could ever have. I mean, if you're starting a business tomorrow, go and rent office space from a law firm. Mm -hmm. They've got office supplies, they've got notaries, they've got lawyers, they can always kind of steer you in the right direction. And when we had to proverbially sort of move out of the house at that point in time, um, <clears throat> our first office was um, on Jimmy Durante. Um, in Del Mar, specifically just because I lived here at the time, Joel was here at the time, and it was right in between both Mitch's surf shops. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of gave us like a little bit of a, a home base. And when our lease expired on Jimmy Durante, um, I, I noticed this beautiful place on the corner was available. And rumor had it that a few people in Del Mar were looking to get in here it had been an interesting kind of women's consignment place oh, okay. for a long time. But they had sold like mink coats and all kinds <laughs> of sort of vintage Chanel type stuff. And so I was like, all right, you know, they're, they're used to having foot traffic go there yeah. and buy some spendy items. And the woman who owned the building, I think definitely, she's got a great design eye. She, she went to design school. Um, and we put together a vision board for her. That's it. Just imagery that was inspirational to us, in imagery that we had put out into the world. And she said, please, we'd love for you to move in. And that was it. And um, so we called it the black spot because 
it's like the reverse of the Matus logo in a sense. One and two, we wanted this place to be a little bit brand agnostic mm -hmm. because I think every great brand has to be a little bit brand agnostic. Yeah. Uh, to be a true community. Yeah. And um, so being that it's the inverse of our logo and being that I was an English major back in the day, uh, Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson yeah. was a favorite book of mine. It's kind of a children's book, but it's a great book. No, it's still a great piece of literature. <laughs> uh, Long John Silver and all that. And so, so yeah, so it, on the front door, Matus HQ, AKA The Black Spot. And when we opened this place up, um, uh, a guy named Austin Stevenson, uh -huh. who's related to Robert Louis Stevenson, comes in and, and he's a great guy. And he, and he explains to us, hey, you know, my family in New Jersey knows about the black spot. Just want to let you guys know. Da, 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 da. And like, I was floored. That's amazing. I mean, it was like, you know, it was like uh, getting the high five ball five, high fives from someone, you know, that you would never ever in a million yeah. world, uh, years expect to know about something like that because um, it really is just a nickname for the store right but that's the beginnings and we moved in here um, let's see here in the beginnings of summer of 14 and um, had you know I wouldn't say we had no idea how to run a store I mean Matt's been a phenomenal um, person down at Mitch's for a long time but still every store needs to kind of develop its footing and yeah and it took us took us some time to kind of navigate that one, but I can definitely say that the time that we moved in here was one of my life's most special moments, uh -huh. especially just because of the crew of people uh, that were helpful in doing that. You know, from the Spencer Hayes of the world to uh, even my brother Joe, who just really kind of like took this place and switched it on in a social capacity and made it, in many respects, our clubhouse as well. Uh, where do you see the future of uh, this space going? I mean, I'd love to continue to see it progress in the way that it has, where um, you know it's a community center for the personalities that are connected to their organization. It's an event space where we've done successful, successful art shows where the people who have come in and hung stuff have sold their pieces. Um, where we'd love to feature other brands that are like-minded, if not very culturally different, still kind of driven by quality, driven by making stuff the world actually might need. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and just being able to have fun with it, not not weigh it down with it just being the place where Matus is. Right, like, like not just being like your, your retail outlet, but more of a soul of the brand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're, and we're hopefully, if someone comes through the front door and they're, you know, I don't know, like a, a person who's appreciative of certain things, they're going to come through our front door and feel immediately welcomed. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, if they come through our front door and are a little bit confused, that's okay. Maybe they're curious. But if, like, it's interesting. There is a demarcation here where people come in and immediately feel welcomed, intrigued, or curious. Or they'll come in and, and they'll kind of poke around as if like they're not sure where they're at. Yeah. Because it's not an overly commercialized place. No, no, no. It's not that at all. Uh, what are some of the other brands that you're hoping to bring in here? Or? Um. So let's see here. We've 
We've sold Joel Tudor surfboards. We've sold Xanadu surfboards. We've sold through Joel some Vans product, um, some Snow Peak product, um, and I think that uh, that staying in the lane of companies like Matus at least, mm. where the textiles that they choose are substantive. There's maybe a tech story to the textiles that they have. Um, where a lot of their messaging is something that's like still intended to sell you something, but at the same time, there's an education factor taking place. Mm -hmm. um, I want to do more storytelling in here, and at the same time, um, over the last decade plus Matus, I've come to very much appreciate that you can only tell so many stories at one time, right. and that's so important, mm -hmm. especially for a creative person. Like you want to tell every story, but you got to kind of like walk that back and just tell the right ones at the right editing time. is the hardest part right yes. not yes. creating yes like it's the editing process because you could just like wind up just like spitting stuff out all day long uh, one of the things that you guys do too which is really amazing and a lot of companies are starting to do this is that you guys get behind specific causes like monthly I believe right how did that start and what was the <coughs> impetus for that um so back in 2012 uh, we, we, we've I should say that we've always participated in a cause where we had an opportunity to do so. Yeah. So Jim Moriarty of the Surf Rider, Surf Rider Foundation was somebody who had plugged us into a cool gala in New York back in the day and we would put together you know, these kind of, I don't say elaborate gift baskets for VIPs, but we would really get excited to kind of almost you know, look at the world of giving back is also a way to introduce ourselves and to have people realize like, oh, I've never heard of these guys, but mm -hmm. it seems like they're doing a sincere job at trying to kind of make a level of outreach and, and, and look, you need, to, you need to kind of like get involved where you can. Um, I learned a lot of that from a guy at Dartmouth named Dean Stewart Lord. Mm -hmm. um, I interned for him at school. He was a very interesting guy or is a very, very, very interesting guy. Um, who worked for Every Living President. He uh, ran track, played football at TCU. Um, uh, when Reverend Al Sharpton came to Dartmouth, he asked me to be his campus tour guide. And I was able to kind of get a lot of great exposure to things like Habitat for Humanity on um, a more global level to even just like, you know, um, stuff that you would do in the local New Hampshire area back in those days, um, you know, at, at Dartmouth. And um, with the Amorvin SIT program that we have happening now with Matus, it's a way for us to involve um, all of the various communities that have touched on the brand, whether it be um, athletically related. So for example, in February, we worked with um, a group called the U.S. Athletic Trust that helps Olympic hopefuls. Last month, we worked with Wild Coast and Zach Plopper and Serge Dina. Um, their conservation efforts are very remarkable in terms of being focused on coastal habitats in marine ecosystems, Baja, you know, mangrove type stuff uh, in, in, in Panama. I believe that they, they've done some good work down there. I apologize if that I'm wrong about that. Um, but uh, I, I know that, you know, it, it's, it's the community efforts that a good 501c3 is putting out there that um, make it possible, I think, for a brand who's of course trying to sell you something 
to get involved, to let the world know, hey, look, we're making a sincere effort to make a pair of shorts or a wetsuit and do a good job doing that. But, you know, if we can kind of like show you that we have just as much effort mm -hmm. to get involved with a wild coast or a surf rider, or this month we're working with the Honor Foundation, which has a really unique um, transitionary program for uh, Navy SEALs and Tier 1 Special Operations guys and women to, you know, get back into uh, the civilian world. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And, you know, being that both sides of my family is military, so yeah. many of our customers have been folks that have served. It's like, I don't know, again, it's just, I thank, I thank the, the people out there that, that work really hard on that front mm -hmm. to um, shed light on a lot of the things that as human beings are happening all every day all around us. Right. And we sometimes obviously overlook because everyone's busy. Yeah. It's just a great reminder to get involved. Yeah. No, I think you guys do a really good job of it. It doesn't feel forced. And I think the thing that's interesting for me is that, you know, monthly you guys are doing new ones. So it's it's educational in a sense of like, even if I'm not going to buy your product, if I go to your website and see that like, you know, for instance, like with Wild Coast, you know, I I didn't hear about their, their organization before I went to your site and you're educating me about it. So even that gets me involved, you know, if I'm not buying a product. And I think it's important because a lot of these organizations, you know, everybody wants to try to make the world better. But yeah. if, unless you put them on a path of like, hey, this is this is an option to make the world better, they just will not do it. Right. And I think you guys do a great job of it. Thank you. Um, so lastly, I wanted to wrap up with um, this kind of simple, simple question. Where would you like to see this brand go in the next five years? Well, Art and function has always been our tagline since the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And representing the Ichiban, in quote, has always kind of been kind of, I think, our spree de corps. Mm -hmm. And to, to do those two things, whether it be in a capacity of hosting a small art show or um, supporting an Olympic hopeful in a sport that may not be surfing, mm -hmm. um, but to do both of those kinds of parallel activities in a way that is encouraging more awareness in the community, colliding worlds in a way that's very positive. Um, I'd love to see Matus be an organization that can represent that as a platform. Mm -hmm. You know, because we can, I know we can do that in a way that is sincere and authentic, you know, right to our give back program. And by the way, I should say, you know, a Morvan Sit is what we call our give back program. It means love conquers, obviously, in Latin. Our hashtag is love Matus. And I should say that, you know, we've done this for 13 years or so because we flip and love it, you know? So at the Corey Company, it's really about love. Yeah, it's about <laughs> doing more of what you love, doing what you love, hopefully with others that show you love. And not to be cliche and campy about it, but like to really stick to that, to stick to that focus because I think that People can feel that. Mm -hmm. I think that the product absorbs that, just like a good restaurant. You know, the food tastes better if people make and they love it. So there you go. You put love in it, get love out. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much to John for hosting us, and you know, t telling us about the history of the brand and where it's going. I've, it's one of the first wetsuits I purchased. Um, I love, you know, the backbone of it being this Japanese aesthetic. You know, simpler is more. Um, I've really been getting into a lot of Japanese philosophy, or should I say revisiting some Japanese philosophies. I used to 
be into as a designer such as Wabi Sabi and so it was really cool to hear from him and kind of look through the store and check out what they're up to and some of these brands they're aligning themselves with that are fitting that mold. I also suggest like look in general when you're buying a wetsuit this is the advice I give everyone buy a good one like if you buy one of the cheaper ones to be honest it's not going to last you so in the long run if you're making a commitment to surfing uh, it's smarter to buy the better one from the start one it lasts longer two it's going to keep you warmer you know some of these suits that you know saying it's three two saying it's four three saying it's two two technically it is the thickness of the wetsuit but there's a big difference between material usage and how it's stitched together and how it's put together um, and linings and stuff like that so companies like matus really take that extra effort where they're using superior materials and they're really thinking about how they're layering these materials and gluing them so I suggest spend the money, even if it's for a spring suit. Look, I have a Japanese-made, uh, you know, long john um, that I've had for a couple of years, and it's made well, and it's made from Yamamoto rubber, and it's perfect, and it was worth the money. It was probably about seventy-five dollars more than some more mass-market brand, but again, it's worth it. And the same thing goes for Matus. If you're gonna buy, you know, their product. It lasts, you know, I just got a new suit from them that I really enjoy. Um, I love how it has the smoothie uh, material on the inside, which is really cool. It's a little different than the suit I used to have, but it's been great uh, since I've had it. So anyway, check them out if you can. But anyway, a little housekeeping. This is the Bodega Border Crew podcast, volume 30. Uh, check us out on Instagram at Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to check out our page, bodegabordercrew.podbean.com, as well as our full track description. Uh, on your iTunes player. I think it's important because we post links that pertain to these people we're talking about. So if you want to continue the conversation of what we're covering here after this, it's a good resource. Uh, Links to videos, links to sites, links to causes we're trying to raise money for. So make sure to check it out. But enough of me talking. Enough of me trying to entertain with my little bit of a sinus cold or whatever the fuck I have. Uh, Let's get back to the tracks and then I'll check in with you guys in a little bit. Peace. Was an evil day, the sun glistened over the city. Shine bright through the window when the eyes of my kitty. I was reluctant, a ball in the pit of my gut. Like the phone call I got was just to set me up. She wouldn't do that. My love had love for the kid. So I slid all my wallows and bounced out the crib. Hit the block about six up. Shit got switched up. She pulled long inside and said, jump in the truck. So I did. We supposed to be gone for CD. She made the ball turn. I'm like, where you going to, sweetie? Felt the heat on the back of my neck. Did a mirror check. I didn't know what to expect. I got knocked out and woke up in the melting pot. I heard the Lucas laughing and this shit got hot. They said, die, Tony Starks. You gonna melt like a record. Never to be remembered. Never to be respected. Rolling with Logan, I told them, damn that broad, it's no surprise why she would do this. 
Word on the street, she had a side deal working for the Delucas. Word is out, APB, this bird is foul, put a price on it. The hood searching her house, the Delucas won't stop without murking us out. We should catch him while he's celebrating, bursting the crowd. Tony Depp, shit is working me vex. They saying deck chill, it's real and you certainly next. Thrown into boiling vinyl, can't let it slide, fool. I guess it's just my time to die too. First find Logan, gotta make a talk. Who's your boss? Where's your boss? And who made the call? Tell me you're not sleeping with the fish. But first tell your boss that he will get his. Play these curves with J.U. Ice. When they say you say nice, nice, I say nice. son a little something. Brooklyn's ass for rolls like us and keep rodeo. We bump the big, big sound. Down and gritty, reckoning my checking, no question. This section of New York City where the crooks lounge out. Black power is fan. 
down. Butterfly ground the sky, favorite pack is a pound. It's like did that. The beast know we be strapped in the mouth. Mad money's rich, they G like us. Clout, clout. When I'm in the boogie, I'm imported. I study Chim and Mal. Ain't nothing but Crooklyn in my plasma now. I got my G's behind the tongue of my gold night classics. I'm all city when I'm dipped. If you want us, you can find us. Shit, we live in Brooklyn. Coney Island's buckwilding and we move boy styling. Spot we hustle cause it's like it at We live in Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Mad game taking wins Cause shit is real son We live in Brooklyn, Brooklyn. With my girls Amaris and Ayala on Cambridge Lesson A, don't fuck with B.I., that's that, oh, 
so dumb now. Hunt me or be hunted. I got 357 ways to simmer saute. I'm the winner all day. Lights get dimmer down Biggie's hallway. My forte causes Caucasians to say he sounds demented. Call we scented. If I said it, I meant it. Bite my tongue for no one. Call me evil or unbelievable. And tear MCs fear me. They too near not to hear me. Clearly, I'm the triple beam dream. 1,000 grams of uncut to the gut. It seems fucked up the way I touched up the grill. Trying to play gorilla when you ain't no killer. The gats by your liver, your upper lip quiver. You're ready to die. Tell God I said hi and throw down some ice for the nicest MC. Niggas know the steelo, unbelievable.
it's a horror to you. Lyrical kung fu, so do your kung fu if you know kung fu. Dirty, down low, profile. Shoot up jams without the aid of lead projectiles. Styles ridiculous, techniques infamous. Take more heads than Santa Claus at Christmas. Science misfits meet the wrath of my wit. Immediately following, they go into a conniption fit. Reach into my bag of darkness and spark this like an arsonist. Blow it up like a terrorist. I'm not a sexist, don't have the power to be a racist. I'm a scientist and an activist. Complex yet simple like mixuplex. Unlike the silly devil, I don't come with tricks. So I bid all EMCs return to the righteous way or meet death face to face when my mind spread. <laughs> Welcome back to the Bodega Border Crew Podcast, Volume 30. Uh, yeah, I hope there were some surprises in there with those tracks. Um, you know, I love that uh, Scarface uh, take back on, uh, you know, Mind's Playing Tricks on Me. Um, I love Scarface. I love Ghetto Boys. I think Ghetto Boys are kind of like one of these hip-hop groups that a lot of people just like know the two, three songs and like kind of let it go. But like... Their albums are amazing, and all their offshoot albums, even Bushwick Bill's albums, are dope. Um, and you can't forget that Bushwick Bill did a lot of guest spots on other people's albums. Like, he was on The Chronic and stuff like that. Um, so definitely check out The Ghetto Boys if you can. But uh, anyway, this is the Bodega Border Crew podcast. Make sure to check us out on Instagram at Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to check out our page, bodegabordercrew.podbean.com, as well as a full track listing uh, and episode description on your iTunes player where we're going to have links pertaining to the things we're talking about. And this week, here's the short takes that we're talking about. The first short take that we link to in our description and talk about is this video that Surfer Journal put out of Brian Bent. Now, first off, Surfer's Journal, I'm a huge fan. Uh, it's actually the one magazine I have subscribed to since the beginning. And it's amazing because they do really good content. They have really good writers, really good photography. They cover very interesting things. And it's one of those things that it's worth the money because of the quality and the fact that you can look back on it. I look back on old issues from like two years ago and read articles and I think it's pretty timeless. And one of the people they covered in their newish, newest issue is Brian Bent. And I didn't know much about him. I've seen him at Doheny. I follow him on Instagram. I've seen his artwork, which I really love. And the article is really interesting because it talks about how he's got commission for artwork and where he comes from. Now, the other thing that Surfer Journal is really good at is they are really good at producing content for online consumption. And what they did is they produced this video. It's about a six minute video that uh, basically runs in parallel to the article. And it's really good because it gives more insight into him. And I thought it was really cool. And um, we link to it. I suggest you check it out. First of all, if you surf in Southern California log, you've seen Brian at, at his hot rod and his quote unquote kook box um, at Sano or Doheny. And it's a 
gives you a good like insider perspective on him. It also gives you an opportunity to check out his art, which is beautiful. I love the style that he paints, this really quick style. I think I'd like to get one of his paintings in the future. Um, I actually would probably commission him to do a painting in the future of a magazine cover that like I, I love personally. It would probably, like I have to, have to be honest, it would probably be a, like an old Thrasher cover or something. But um, he's done that in the past and I think it's really cool. But anyway, check out the video. We link to it. Hope you guys like it. The next short take is this whole thing that's been happening uh, to the WSL over at the Margaret River Contest. So the Margaret River Contest is the last leg of the trifecta, I guess, of the Australian Contest for the beginning of the WSL season. And they've, you know, it's really sharky there. They, everybody knows it. Uh, obviously, last year there was an incident. Uh, I don't remember. I don't think it was there, but uh, with Mick Fanning. And, um, you know, it's been televised and it's been shown and all that stuff it was kind of like this highlight reel. Um, so the WSL has that on their, you know, on them, uh, that they had one of their athletes almost get eaten by a shark. Uh, but over the last couple of days, there was, uh, a sh two shark attacks, I believe. Uh, they think it might've been the same shark and a ton of sightings. And there's even a video going around that, um, shows John John dropping in during one of his heats and... It looks like a shark to me. The, ta the tail's going side to side. It's not going up and down. Uh, it's alone. There's no others, no no other animals around. Usually when there's a, a dolphin in the lineup or in the wave, you see dolphin fins around or you see two of them together in the water. Um, this was a sole animal, um, so he was pretty close to it. Anyway, they decided to uh, cancel the contest. And that was after talking to all the athletes. And there's been like... Huffing and puffing both ways, like, oh, you're a fucking pussy, blah, 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 this and that for, like, canceling it. And some of the athletes were like, you know, they took the stance of, hey, look, this is what we're getting into. This is our life and our culture. And I hate using this word, but sport. And, you know, every time we, we paddle out into the water, this is part of it. Um, a lot of people were just like, hell no, I'm not fucking doing that. I'm not getting to water. I heard, supposedly I heard... Uh, it was a lot of the Brazilians who were bitching, which is kind of interesting for like a bunch of uh, WSL guys who like try to say that they're all like tough and shit. Um, they were the first ones to kind of like bow out of there being sharks out there. Um, I think WSL made the right decision. I think if you're going to be this kind of big body like the NFL, you have to protect your athletes. You have to protect the people that are involved. Uh, they're probably going to lose a bunch of advertising money because they're not obviously airing this thing. And uh, they only went two rounds deep uh, for the men and the women. But it's better safe than sorry. Uh, you know, they should have learned their lesson last year and kind of thought about venues that they were doing. And it does suck that... Look, what we all do when we, you know, big wave, small wave, sharky, not sharky, we are taking a risk the second our first toe pops into the water, okay? And some places are bigger than others. Some places are sharkier than others. It's part of the price that we pay for what we love, right? We love doing this thing more than anything else. I mean, at least that's how it looks. That's how it is for me. So I know like I, I go into some lineups. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, this is a little sharky here. I got to be careful. I'm a little bit more alert. Or times that there's been prevalent shark sightings at certain spots. I've, uh, you know, 
definitely not return to those spots. Sunset's one of those. They had a couple of shark sightings like a couple of months ago. I was like, I don't give a fuck how good it is. Like, I'm not going there for a while. And so I get that. And I honestly think that the WSL did the right thing here. Now, people are going to argue both ways about it. But my honest opinion is, look, at the end of the day, if you're going to fucking televise this jockey ass fucking thing, and you need people to like it and you need people in the Midwest to feel comfortable with it so that they might buy your fucking 20 inch inseam board shorts you they don't want to see on live feed on life on Facebook live which is now how they're televising some of these things someone getting chomped on um, so they did the smart thing um, again I don't really care about the point system um, I care about the guys who surf like as much as I make fun of it being jockey like they're they're servers and they're people and stuff and you never want to see people get hurt so I think they made the right decision um, we linked to a bunch of articles that stab posted about it because stab I think did the best coverage of this they have you know we have links to their uh, story where they have the John John video and stuff like that so definitely head over to all the links we posted from stab if you just want this kind of Cliff Notes version of what happened, um, as far as we see it, um, and I hope you uh, hope you don't get eaten, as far as I'm concerned. The last short take this week is another Jack Coleman video that uh, he did for Mollusk. I love these videos that he does. I always do. I think for me, they're kind of like, no matter where they're shot, like he's done ones in Hawaii, he's done a lot of, you know, obviously does a lot of California stuff. It always feels to me like people are genuinely having fun when they're surfing. Like it doesn't feel treacherous. It looks like a good time. It looks like the kind of surfing that like at the end of the day, like on a small day or big day or whatever day that you go out there and see a couple of your friends in the lineup, it's the kind of day that you have that's like so much fun where you're smiling the whole time. I know I've been having a lot of those days lately, so maybe that's why it touches me that way. But um, anyway, it's a really awesome clip. Um, the surfers in it uh, that are surfing, uh, Simon Murdoch and Trevor Gordon, he, he shoots them a lot. And they've, they've ride everything from, you know, uh, Deepest Reaches Pizza Box, which is a small twin fin that honestly, I wish I was small enough to ride because everyone who rides those has so much fun on point breaks. Um, maybe I'll get Kyle to make me like a bigger one who <laughs> functions the same way. Um, and like, uh, they also surf a jive mid-length, which I might be in the process of trading one of my boards in for, um, after seeing this video, cause I'm hyped on it. But anyway, check out the video. I love little clips like this, um, cause they're definitely like fun to watch and they get you inspired. You know, it's not groundbreaking surfing, but again, it's like, it's like why we surf. Like we surf to have a good time, you know, like there's like, for me, when I go surf, like there's so many parts of the experience that come into play if I had a good surf session or not. And it's the people around me, the waves I was catching, the way it looked, the weather, you know, everything. Jack does this amazing job of capturing that. And I think that's awesome. And here's another example of it. And hopefully we have him on uh, this show soon. So definitely check it out. Uh, the link again is on our page and in our description of this episode. So one of the last things I want to talk about on this episode, and we're going to have links to this, is a campaign that uh, Andrea Coleman Photo, in association with San Onofre Surf Company, is doing where they've produced this t-shirt where all the proceeds are going to 
them raising money to take out uh, three full page ads in the LA Times, the OC Register, and the San Diego Union Tribute to talk about the nuclear waste disposal that's happening at San Onofre. If you don't know what's happening there, it's kind of fucking crazy. Basically, they have a bunch of spent fuel rods and without coming up with a better plan, they've decided that they want to bury these things 100 feet from the seawall at San Onofre in these one inch thick containers. Now, A, we're technically on a fault line, okay? B, it's really close to shore. C, it's the dumbest fucking idea like you could ever come up with. Like if this was the idea, it's just like fucking stupid. You know, they could bury these things in the middle of the desert. They could transport them. But this is the solution they came up with. And a lot of people don't realize this isn't just an issue about one surf spot. Like if we have a really bad earthquake, like look, we had a 5.3 that was, you know, at the China, Channel Islands like a week ago. If we have like an, an earthquake of that size that's on the coastline and these things are buried in there, you're going to have worse fallout than they had in Japan. And it's going to probably affect the whole west coast seaboard and parts of Mexico. So this is really something that is not just an issue for people who are from Southern California or who even surf. This is an issue for this country. And I don't think a lot of people know about it. And I think it's amazing that Andrea Coleman and them from San Onofre Surf Company, they want to get the word out. And this is a smart way to do it. Just put it out there and be like, hey, look, on the front page of the you know, full page ad, here's the deal. This is everyone in California. This is what you're dealing with. The t-shirt's pretty cool. I purchased one. I actually uh, put up uh, an Instagram ad driving traffic to their site for it um, because I think it's very important. So check out the link in this uh, podcast uh, description for it. Go over to their site, buy a tee. It's a t-shirt that's pretty cool. And you're also supporting a good cause. It's not that expensive either. Um, And then spread the word because this is an issue that Surfrider Foundation is getting involved with, everybody's getting involved with that, like, we need to get on top of. And this isn't just about opening up something like Martin's Beach or something like that. This is really for the health of, like, this whole country. And so I would suggest you click on over there, check it out, support, see what you can do. Well, what's been going on with us? Uh, working on Lucy's. Lucy's is almost done. I think it's 80% done. So Ryan and uh, from Lograp and I have been, like, finishing that up trying to you know get a couple more clips of people we want to get in there um we have a couple of people coming in town because the mexi log fest is coming up and there's some people in from hawaii and australia who basically are doing like a week layover here uh which is kind of awesome so we're hoping to get some clips of them um and also hang out with them i mean these are our, our boys and our girls that we love seeing as much as we can uh so you know maddie c and uh johnny pitzer and like the whole crew um we're excited to see them even if it's for a beer um by trying to get them in there um if you guys follow our instagram story you know we have a product line that we're working on uh we're shooting for an august release uh possibly september um some of the stuff might trickle out but the bulk of it's going to come out then i think uh it's we're just taking our time because we want to do this right and we're aligning ourselves with some manufacturing that will produce quality goods you know i don't want to just buy like 
blank hats and print on them. I mean, that's not our style. Um, so it takes a little bit longer, takes a little bit of a money investment. And uh, we're hoping that we're going to release the collection through a couple of pop-up shops up and down the coast, uh, hopefully one in New York, uh, working on some conversations there to make that happen, as well as an art show um, in Los Angeles. That'll kind of be a showcase for this work as well as the video and some other stuff that we're working on. So uh, look forward to that. Um, but yeah, I just want to thank you guys for being awesome uh, followers of this. Um, if you see me out there, um, come up to me, talk to me. I know I come off as uh, standoffish at first, um, mostly because I'm really socially awkward, to be honest. I know that's like a little bit of an excuse, but I'm, I'm honestly not a dick. Um, I'm a nice guy. and. I just like I'm like just socially awkward it's just I always have been since I've been a child I've never gotten over that but once you get me talking I can talk for hours uh, so you know if you think I'm ignoring you I'm not I'm just in my own headspace um, and uh, definitely walk over get stickers or if I have product in my car I'll probably give it to you uh, but I'll end this episode on our famous words which are don't uh, there's no need to bust a craze on a wave you know if you drop in on someone by accident pull out uh, if someone drops in on you don't get aggro about it unless it's like blatant over and over but um, you know try to talk try to smile enjoy this gift that we've been given of surfing and uh, the ocean and all that I know that sounds very like hippy dippy and uh, contradictory to like what I play on this on this show but you know deep down I think we're we're all out there trying to have fun um so with that hopefully i see you guys out there and if not i'll uh see you on the next episode peace
Thank you. 
Oh, 